Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, welcome to Horror versus Reality. I'm your host, Anastasia, as always, and Morgan is with me as per usual. How you doing, Mo? I'm great. I am so great. That's not true. <laughs> Audience, look, we've had a rough couple of weeks, personally, but we're making it. Today's episode is on the film In Her Skin from 2009 versus... The Murder of Rachel Barber. Now, Morgan, this is a film that you actually picked. Yeah. I usually, (laughs) yes, I usually pick the films, guys, um, just because. You're better at it. (laughs) Well, I'm the film one, you know? Yeah. Yeah, Sometimes we come at it from the true crime angle and then see if there is a film. It really just kind of depends on what grabs our attention, you know? Um, but Morgan's the one who, you know, is working at night and not not sleeping and scrolling the Internet. That's me. I'm the one who's not sleeping and scrolling the Internet. <laughs> that, that's where I find a lot of our stuff. As Morgan was saying, it's an Australian film. It has a few Australian actors that you maybe didn't know were Australian because they've crossed over the pond. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Yeah, so I'm going to start telling you about some of this cast. Good cast, by the way. Uh, oh, yeah, uh, Morgan, what's your uh, what are your thoughts on the film? I actually, I really enjoyed it. Um, Me too. Me too. It's, a, it's very similar to the crime, too. But the way that they portrayed the parents is, like, super worried. And then, I mean, Caroline, she was, oh, that actress was so good. I know, right? She blew it out of the park. Yeah, she really did. She was really, really good. I, I she, liked her scenes. She did win Best Actress at uh, one of these um, international film festivals for that role. Nice. She yeah. should have won. That was yeah, really right? Good. Yeah, she did. So good for her. I've got some fun facts for later on, too, by the way. So, I know. Pro- I probably know one fun fact. Oh, yeah? Because a lot of the music was my like favorite music back in 2008. Oh, <laughs> well, when I start doing the fun facts, you can tell us that fun fact. How about that? Yay! Okay. Okay, okay. cool. All right, so first up, Guy Pierce as Mike Barber. Now, Guy is an Australian actor who you probably recognize, and he began his career as so many Aussie actors do. He was on the Australian soap opera Neighbors. Now, a lot of people have been on Neighbors. Natalie Imbruglia was on Neighbors. Nicole Kidman was on Neighbors. Um, somebody else on this in the cast list that I'll get to in a minute was on Neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Basically, if you're an Australian actor, you end up on Neighbors at least once. It's kind of like British actors in Doctor Who. Yeah. I, I've I mean, never seen it, but I've heard about it. Although it's, yeah, I haven't either because I don't want to watch American soap operas. Why would I want to watch a soap opera from another country? Oh, well, Indian soap operas are hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Indian and uh, the Spanish-speaking ones, usually Mexican is the best. Okay, I, I will admit I have seen a telenovela or two. Yes. And they are wild. If I'm going to watch a soap opera, that is the best one to go to is telenovelas. Yeah. They, uh, they have the most, yeah. like, intrigue. Because, <laughs> you know, like, they're American. They're violent. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. American soap operas are whack these days. Like, if you turn on... My mom, actually, when I went back to Mississippi to see my grandma, I was talking to my mom over breakfast, and she told me that she was flipping through the channels, and she was watching Days of Our Lives. and Or she stopped on Days of Our Lives, and she saw the character Marlena. And Marlena is apparently possessed by the devil, or possessed <laughs> by a demon for the second time in the show's history. <laughs> I remember my grandma has always watched that show for since, I think since it began, honestly. My grandma has watched that show. The and of the days of our lives. Yes. And when she, I think, well, I don't know, it was as, when I was little, sometime in the 90s, Marlena was uh, possessed by the demon the first time. <laughs> so my mom Didn't was like... she have an evil Gwen or something, too? Oh, that was a different character. <laughs> okay. The, I don't know much, but... I can't remember that character's name, but I know that her, like, doppelganger was this, like, hillbilly woman who was obsessed with Elvis and named the baby that she had Elvis. <laughs> Why do I remember this much of this fucking soap opera? <laughs> All right, so back to Guy Pierce, and he started out on Neighbors. Uh, nowadays, he's a bona fide Hollywood actor in films such as Christopher Nolan's Memento, Iron uh. Man. He was the villain in Iron Man 3, and he was also in Catherine Bigelow's Oscar-winning film, The Hurt Locker. He was also in Factory Girl. He was Andy Warhol. Oh, you're right. He was in Factory Girl. Yeah, I always I, remember him. <laughs> I haven't seen Factory Girl in a long time. Sienna Miller was, um, uh, what's her name, right? Yeah, um, yeah. I don't even remember her name. I know, I blanked out on her name. Damn, I blanked out. <laughs> oh, oh, well. <laughs> it's not Twiggy, it's the other one. Yeah, I know, the other... <sighs> Are you Googling it? No, I'm not, but you could if you want to. Because <laughs> you can tell me when you get Edie there. Edie Sedgwick. That, yes, Edie Sedgwick. Yeah. That's right, yes. Yeah, I haven't seen that movie since it came out. I think I've only seen it once, so I totally forgot that Guy Pierce was in it. He's been in a lot of things, but that's just like the, the highlight reel, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Films that people would definitely know, or I think they would anyway. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Hurt Locker. Still haven't yeah. seen it. Me neither, to be honest. I don't really like war movies. Oh, neither. I do like um, Band of Brothers on HBO, the, like miniseries that oh, Tom fuck Hayden. yeah. Hanks yeah. produced but that like flushes it out more I don't know like I don't mind a war miniseries but I don't really want to watch a war movie unless it's a horror movie <laughs> <laughs> 
which um, there is a horror movie that came out a few years ago with Kurt Russell's son with Goldie Hawn. He was, yeah. Why can't I think of his name? But anyway, um, he was the star of it and it took place in World War II and it was like zombies, World War II zombies. (laughs) It was zombies. Yeah, like the Nazis had experimented on people and had fucked it up and turned them into like fast rabid zombies. Uh, I don't like the fast zombies. They scare me. Oh, it was good. They run really fast. Oh, it was more fucked up than that. Like there's a lot going on. Um, it was good though. It was very action packed. A lot of gore. I like it. Tense scenes too between like hiding from the Nazis. You know what I'm saying? It's good. Yeah, I like Dead Snow. Oh, Dead Snow is great. (laughs) (laughs) So funny. The other, the other Nazi zombie movie. All right, so we're going to get back to Miranda Otto. So she plays um, Elizabeth Barber, the mother. Um, Otto is an Australian actress who has also crossed over to Hollywood. She's probably best recognized for her role as Eowyn, which is Faramir's wife in Peter Jackson's The Lord of the Rings trilogy. It took a while, but look, Morgan, we have mentioned Peter Jackson again. Nice. Yes. It did take a while. I know. Yeah, I know. Like, episode two was the last time we talked about him. Yeah. So, uh, Kate Bell as Rachel Elizabeth Barber. Uh, Kate is an Australian actress who, apart from this film, is known for her roles as Beck Sanderson on Blue Water High, Joey Collins on Home and Away, and as Naomi Lord on Neighbors. Uh, Again, the Australian soap opera that everyone's on. (laughs) Uh, Khan Chittenden as Manny Carella, uh, Rachel's boyfriend. He is a New Zealand-born Aussie actor known for, again, Blue Water High and the U.S. film Endless Bummer. I've never heard of it. <laughs> bummer. Uh, endless maybe. bummer, dude. I mean, maybe it was an endless bummer, dude. And that's why no one watched it. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Neill as David Reed, Caroline's father. Uh, I feel like Sam Neill doesn't really need an introduction, but here we go. Neil is an Irish-born New Zealand actor who has an extensive filmography. He is Dr. Alan Grant in the Jurassic Park films. What, what? And for our horror fans, he starred in... And John Carpenter's In the Mouth of Madness and the sci-fi hell flick Event Horizon. <laughs> if you haven't seen Event Horizon, Morgan, after this, go watch Event Horizon. It's terrible. But it's it's terrible in such a good way. <laughs> I, I have I, seen that movie. Okay, good. Good. <laughs> I'm proud of you. It's, it's a really divisive movie. People either love it or hate it, I think. Yeah. I should watch it again just because. You gotta embrace the cheesiness. Embrace yeah. the cheese. I just remember it being really bad. I haven't seen it in a while. I just remember it being like really goofy. It's not good, no. But I I love it for what it is. <laughs> <laughs> and Ruth Bradley as Caroline Reed Robertson. Uh, Ruth is an Irish actress known for playing Emily Merchant on the short-lived British series Primeval, and as Mrs. Bowen on Apple TV's Ted Lasso. And who? Which actress is this? The chick who played Caroline. Oh, she's on Ted Lasso. She is. Wow. She's, she's Mrs. Bowen. Whoa, she looks way different now. Yes, I will get to it in a minute, but I'll tell you why. (gasps) Oh, I can't wait. (laughs) Uh, She also appeared in such shows as Endeavor, ITV's television series and uh, the Amazon series Philip K. Dick's Electric Dreams. It's like an anthology series with like little sci-fi clips like sci-fi Twilight Zone. Oh, nice. I mean, I I guess Twilight Zone was already sci-fi. I don't know. Just think about like if you could put Blade Runner into 30 minute little. (laughs) You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) 
All right, so 15-year-old Rachel Barber misses her tram to meet with her father. Her parents grow concerned and report the incident to the police the next day. Since Rachel had gone missing with her backpack, with several of her most favorite possessions, the police treat the case as a teenage runaway incident. And it's really disgusting the way the police initially treat the family. They say things to Rachel's parents like, you know your daughter is in a sexually active relationship. It's likely she just ran away. And really, yeah, like really callous shit like that. Um, there's this heartbreaking scene early on where Guy Pierce has a panic attack slash breakdown and he goes, she's dead. Oh God, she's dead. I love my children. I love my wife. I love my children. I love my wife all while like crying and rocking back and forth. And you think he's having just like a mental break. Yeah. Error was... for error 404 Guy Pierce. <laughs> the grief of rachel's disappearance is already taking a toll on the family as you might expect uh caroline reed robertson a former neighbor and babysitter to the barber family suffers from low self-esteem depression and an inferiority complex caroline is so fucked up like i just can't even begin with that woman the actress does a really great job like we said earlier like she really sells being just completely psychotic there's this scene where she screams at her father played by Sam Neill about how ugly and stupid she is and it's fucking chilling she stands yeah. there in, in her bathroom and rips her top off exposing herself to her father in an attempt to make him see her as she sees herself and it's kind of heartbreaking because she clearly needs help but knowing what we know about the actual case it's hard to give her too much sympathy so anyway her parents are divorced and she has a complicated relationship with them it seems like the parents would rather pawn her off on each other than actually deal with her but Rachel's father is slightly more kind to her maybe because she never threatened him with any violence the way Caroline did with her mother. She idolizes the Barber family, especially their daughter Rachel, and tries to emulate her. This obsession continues even after Caroline starts her adult life away from the Barber family. Her father helps her to get an apartment, presumably because he doesn't want his adult daughter living with him and his soon-to-be new wife. Uh, But still obsessing over Rachel, Caroline decides to become Rachel and replace her. She asks Rachel to be a part of a confidential study through which Rachel can earn a considerable amount of money. The scene where Caroline talks out loud to herself planning this out just shows how weak of a plan it honestly is. Because like, But it also shows how naive that Rachel is because I would have a million questions about this study. And she's just like, oh cool, that sounds great. Because like Caroline, when she say, at least when she's rehearsing it, it's so vague. Confidential study. Uh, You'll get to keep some clothes. Why are there clothes? Why is there clothes? I still don't know why there's clothing. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a psychological study. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, why would you get free clothes from a psychological study? Yeah. And there was, I don't know. I had, it's It was so poorly planned. <laughs> huh. Yeah. So anyway, Rachel confides about the study to her boyfriend, Manny, who is skeptical about it, but she does not tell him who recruited her for the study. I was yelling at the TV. Listen to your boyfriend. Take him <laughs> with you at least. Yeah. Come on. Seriously. <sighs> If you have a weird, sketchy job offer, always bring someone with you. That's, I mean, don't really go, but you know. Yeah, but if, if you're if you're gonna be dumb you and go, go, at least bring someone with you. Yeah, preferably always. someone stronger. Than yeah, I'm gonna be honest. If if I went somewhere and someone tried to kidnap me, I would fight with tooth and nail. But I'm a tiny little lady. Yeah, you're super super little. Yeah, I don't know what I could do. <laughs> My mom always told me, like, Morgan, you're small. Uh, You can't fight off a big guy. Like, just play the crazy card, piss yourself, or poop, and throw it at him. (laughs) 
That reminds me of when some Mexicans were following me and Michelle in her car and she just turns to them and just digs in her nose. Oh my God. Like right. They- and, then, and then they just laugh and drive off. <laughs> I had a dude come up to me on the street that had been like sleeping around behind Andrew's house and I was going to my apartment and he came up to me and then started following me and I just didn't acknowledge him um, until he like kept following me and I'm like, I crossed the road. He crossed the road. And I just turned around. I was like, do you have the time? Like (laughs) really loud and just staring at him like aggressively, like with both fists. And (laughs) it just took off running. You've had so many creepy close (laughs) encounters with weirdos. I know that's the dude who slept in my uh, garbage pile. Like, oh my God, (laughs) that tried to brush my ankle when I was on the staircase at Mm. my apartment. I never saw him after I screamed. Do you have the time? Yeah. Now, you know what what would be really creepy? If he was also the same guy who like told you you smelled good while you were puking. <gasps> oh my god. That would be terrifying. <laughs> yeah, definitely not the same guy. <laughs> I know, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, th- yeah, but that would be really creepy if he yes, just followed would. me throughout my whole life. <laughs> oh my god. That's <laughs> a horror there. movie, Morgan. Trademark. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> my forever stalker. Hold on. Maybe oh. that's what paralysis demons are. Oh my god. <laughs> It's been the same guy. (laughs) (laughs) So Rachel goes to Caroline's apartment where they talk to each other and drink. Rachel talks her into taking a drink almost like it's part of this study, which makes no sense. Like, what the fuck is this study even for anyway? Like, back to that, um, she makes her take a drink and then's like, oh, maybe you shouldn't even do the study. I should have someone that's 18 at least. Bitch, what the fuck kind of study did you make up in your head? Did you even make up like I have so many questions so many questions <sighs> all right I know that poor girl I know she just trusted her I mean she babysat her I know I of the, of the people that babysat me they were always like family friends or family so if someone yeah I would trust them too probably yeah I would have trusted my babysitter she was she's an angel Stacey, yeah if you're listening I have no idea where you are now but yeah she was a saint well my babysitter was Mallory my freaking sister <laughs> <laughs> Like, I definitely trust my sister. <laughs> all right. So, uh, where was I? Oh, all right. So, she t- she drinks from the drinker and everything. And it's not, like, poisoned or anything. But then uh, Carolyn says, okay, so I need you to close your eyes and relax. If, if you're in a strange place and someone tells you to close your eyes, never do it. <laughs> never, never do that. Unless you're, uh, like, getting your makeup done somewhere. Like... That's not a strange place. Yeah, I guess like, it's not a strange That makes sense. Kind <laughs> 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 of dirty apartment. Yeah, so she closes her eyes and Caroline grabs a cord, like a phone cord that's not plugged in and strangles her with it. And it's violent because the first time it wasn't good enough, she had to do it again. Uh, she had to re-strangle her. And I just like the force. Yeah. It's so rough. Caroline is literally frothing at the mouth and drooling while strangling Rachel the second time. Yeah, her face is just so red and she's like digging. You can see it's like all of her body Wait. I I would kill to give a performance like this. <laughs> that just I, I don't know. I feel don't like don't choke anybody. Oh, I know. I just feel like <laughs> really intense performances like this are so much more rewarding than when Harry met Sally. <laughs> but hey, that orgasm in the restaurant, that orgasm scene is pretty great. I mean, that's true. But you know what I mean? 
Yeah, no. That I could, that's just the movie rage. that popped into my head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I gotta be honest. Like, if I was a, an actress, I would want to be a scream queen. Like, I would. that would be my goal. I would oh, try to, hell yeah, you'd be I, a scream queen. I wouldn't be trying to be the next Nicole Kidman. I would be trying to be the next, you know, Linnea Karen Quigley. Black. Oh. <laughs> Uh, uh, Lene Quigley is the girl in Return of the Living Dead that gets completely nude in the cemetery. Oh. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Did she go on to do anything else? She's in a bunch of horror movies. I'm bad at this. She's in Night of the (laughs) Demons. She has this crazy scene in Night of the Demons where she just like starts putting lipstick all over her face. And then she rips her blouse down and she sticks the lipstick into her nipple and it disappears into her boob. Ow. Ow. (laughs) It's a wild scene. Uh, Yeah, she's a legend. Oh, okay. Absolutely legend okay i definitely know who she is i'm just kidding i don't but i do (laughs) (laughs) all right so meanwhile manny tells rachel's parents about the study rachel wanted to participate in an analyst with the police's missing persons department max depile takes an interest in the case depile calls in a favor with a friend at australia's most wanted so that the case can get special attention from the media. Now, Caroline dumps Rachel's body. Uh, while all this is happening, Caroline is dumping Rachel's body at uh, her father's farm. Uh, but you know what? Let's go back to before she dumps the body. She has this freak out scene in the bathroom God. where she drags Rachel's body into the bathroom and then she's just kind of like staring into the mirror <coughs> at both her face and Rachel's face. And Rachel already looks very dead, dead at this point. And she just kind of starts crying and yelling no and like hitting herself. And then she gets up and she just starts curb stomping Rachel's head into yeah, the gouges her eyes out. Yeah, it's you don't see her gouge the eyes out like explicitly. You just see the blood and the knife. Yeah. Uh, but whoa, like, and then she starts yelling that that she's pretty and that Rachel's ugly and all this crazy shit because she's fucking nuts. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's awful. That so, scene is just so like I was just like gritting my teeth. I was like, Ugh. oh, I know. It's like. <laughs> I was like, this is terrible, and this is so heartbreaking because, you know, this happened. But at the same time, it's like this woman is given the performance of her life. Yeah, she really is. I'm losing my voice a little bit. Sorry about that. That's okay. Yeah, man. You know how it is. <laughs> <laughs> All I right, so. voice when you can oh, yeah. speak. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks. All <laughs> right, so. <laughs> Car- Damn it. Caroline. <laughs> All right, so Caroline dumps Rachel's body at her father's farm. She thinks about how she can use Rachel's identity to start afresh. And she begins to feign concern over Rachel's disappearance, uh, calling the barber's home and talking to one of the barber's family friends for a little while about what the whole case. And which is the stupidest move. Yeah. Why would uh, you, why would you, you would, why would be a thousand miles? She's just wanting to insert herself. Well, I know because she's, their lives. well, yeah, she's so obsessed with the family and Rachel. Like she mm-hmm. wasn't just obsessed with Rachel. She was obsessed with the whole package because she thought that that little family was perfect and Rachel. Rachel was the perfect little daughter. Yeah. But yeah, so she it's so stupid. She doesn't cover her tracks well. Uh, and she is appalled, you know, to find someone described Rachel being seen with a woman matching her description. So she's like, oh shit, I'm made. I gotta get out of here. 
That that scene was wild too. Like she's looking into the screen and she just lights up a cigarette and everything anybody says she has an answer to it and she's like talking to the screen and just so obsessed. Like it's just her and that TV and there's nothing else. I know. That's a wild scene. Just everything about this woman's performance is amazing. Like yeah. Ruth Bradley, she's going places. Look out for her. Yeah. I'm surprised she's not already like in places because this is 2009 like where's where's uh, she's she's on ted lasso that's oh like, yeah true that's like, <laughs> <She is. laughs> that's like one of the biggest sitcoms right now yeah like it's been sweeping the emmys the past few years past couple of years yeah she she's great she's yeah great she should be doing more than an apple tv sitcom though i agree she's better than that she's just in, been in a lot of like tv series yeah i mean a lot of british actors fall into the tv rut yeah she needs to go and play someone like this again and <laughs> And then blow up the scene again. Yeah, where is her monster? I mean, I think this was. I mean, this was her monster, but it just didn't blow up the way it needed to be. Yeah, true. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So Caroline's odd behavior does not go unnoticed, and soon her mother shares her concerns with Caroline's father. The police also become interested in Caroline, and Detective Neil Patterson and DePile arrive at her apartment to bring her in for questioning. Caroline, at this point, it's like, oh God, the walls are closing in. I'm surrounded. Oh God, what do I do? Fuck, I'm trapped in here. Oh, God. Ah, ah, ah. And what you find out that she does is that she just collapses. She just makes herself collapse and, like, passes out. I don't know if she just had, like, a really bad panic attack and then just blacked out. Because she does have, she has been known to have, like, fits and stuff. Yeah, she's, like, manipulative as fuck. Oh, yeah, she's so manipulative. Oh, yeah. So anyway, she does that, and uh, she becomes conscious later on. She may have even, like, poisoned herself or something just to, you know, get out of it, but didn't do, go as far. Um, they're not clear about what she does in the film, uh, but you probably know exactly what she did to herself, or if she really did that to herself. We'll get to that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, she comes to at the hospital, and her father, also a manipulative person... <laughs> It's like, come on, you need to talk to the police. Be that, uh, be that, that daughter I always wanted. Like, what a fucked up, th- I mean, your daughter's fucked, but like, what a fucked up thing to say to her still. Because she's been instilled to say like, oh, I'm not good enough. Uh, you know, and she's always apologizing for being herself. Yeah, it's, I, uh, I don't know. It's also like manipulation too. Yeah. Uh, like, could yeah. you imagine that always, they, because she was writing those letters to her mom and stuff all the time. Like, just... Get her the help she needs and, you know, I don't know. Well, That'd be well, to hard. Me, well, to me, that is, like, a cry for help, clearly. Yeah. And the mother just was like, I can't deal with it. Instead yeah. of actually, like, getting her help, like, real help. They just put her on a bunch of meds, right? Yeah, I guess I'm just looking at the real case a little bit more. Because in the movie, I guess they are kind of like, meh. But in the real They're... case, it seems like they were really trying to help her. But in the movie, they make them seem more. take her meds and stuff. Yeah, in the movie, the movie world of this, um, her parents are much more callous. Especially the mother. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> so uh, she does. She confesses to the murder, and you know the the cops like, well, "Where's Rachel?" And Caroline's like, "She's dead. She's dead. <laughs> She's died. Dead." <laughs> That sounded Lied. terrible. That was a bad, that was a really bad, that sounded terrible. Okay. Our Australian listeners are like, cut this shit off. I'm so no, I'm sorry. Kidding. I'm so terribly sorry. <laughs> no worries, mate. <laughs> Yeah, no worries. Like, I was just trying to, like, get the voice, and dead is not a word that I start with usually, and... It's dead. De- you're so right, it's dead. It's dead. Dead, you're so right. Dead. <laughs> okay, we're sorry. We got it. Dead. <laughs> 
lesson. All right. Yeah. So they go and tell Rachel's family that Caroline did it. The cops do. And they're in such shock. Rachel's parents. They're just kind of sitting there like, okay, we, we, we've, there's a look on their face like, all right, we've prepared for this, um, that she was dead, you know, she's been gone for a while. We've prepared for this, but this is really real now, you know? Yeah. And the reality, um, the uncertainty of not knowing, you know, is gone and the reality is more heartbreaking and it will take a bit of time for them to fully get hit with it like a freight train, you know? And we do see Rachel's mom climb into bed with her mother down the hall later on, and she just sobs and says, my baby's gone. And, you know, her mom's kind of like, I know, and just, you know, like, rubs her arm, and it's heartbreaking. And I think, I, yeah, I mean, I cried. <laughs> yeah, I was tearing up. I was like, this is so fucking bad. Yeah, I cried. I did. This is this is the first time I've cried for the podcast. Really? Yeah, I've not cried in any of the other films. I don't have I. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think so. Like, cause when we, when we watched Carla, I was just mad. Carla, I was super pissed. Yeah. I Maybe I did cry on Carla. I don't know. Carla, oof, that whole case and that whole oh man. By the way, did you listen to the last I'd... podcast? Yes. You... <laughs> Theirs was way, way, way in depth. And it was good. It was. Really it was good. I wish that we had riffed on his vanilla ice love the way they did. <laughs> yeah, we didn't really touch on that. He was a shitty rapper. Yeah, man, I would have loved to have dug into that. <laughs> we didn't mind deep enough, and Henry did, and bless him for it. Yeah, they went real deep. I they was did. like, I can't look at this anymore. This is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I mean, you could tell they, they were saying things like, uh, I felt dirty from reading about them. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. true. Don't do it. Don't do it. Listen to one of, listen to either our podcast or theirs or ideally both. Yeah, both. <laughs> yeah. Us All first, right. so you have like <laughs> low expectations. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the film closes with Caroline in prison awaiting trial while Rachel's funeral is attended by her entire family and friends. And oddly in prison, it seems that Caroline has accepted herself. And that's the end. It's the end of the movie. Now, I do have some trivia, behind-the-scenes trivia. Would you like to tell us your piece of trivia first? Yeah, so throughout the movie, there's a few songs that play over and over. Mm -hmm. um, and that's by John Butler. Um, I mean, I guess he's most famously known in John Butler trio, but I believe he wrote Caroline for this movie. Oh, that's a fun I, fact. I am pretty sure. Can't confirm it, but it's like word for word about like this whole crime kind of. Um, but John Butler is an Australian musician and in the early scenes there's like a busker playing music when I think it's the mom and someone else talking. I don't remember who's in the screen, but it, he has dreads and he's like playing really good guitar in the background. And that's John Butler. Oh, you're going to have to post that song to the gram. Yeah, he's to your uh, stories. I was so obsessed with John Butler in like 2007, 2008. Mm, OK. Yeah, Meanwhile, trio. it's really good. See, I was like obsessed with Bat for Lashes. Like, <laughs> do you know who that is? Yeah. I love her so much. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure he wrote that song. I, I'm trying to like, yeah, yeah, okay. it is. I think he may have written it before the movie because it was released earlier. But it's about her? Yeah, Um, I'm pretty sure. It says, got your eyes open, but you cannot see. Got what you want, got you what you need. Till one day you see something you cannot bear telling you grow 
yes, you better beware. And then it says, and life and and if life and death were such a game, why do they all make such a fuss? And if birds could fly high over troubles, she's going to find her. I don't know. Something about too young to die. All right. Yeah, you'll have to post it to Instagram, your stories or something. Yeah. And I'll post it on the Hard versus Reality one also. Yeah, like there's some people who are saying, yeah, this is written after her. But then others are saying, no, it's like a story made up. But I mean, it's in the movie and it, it it's around the same time, so... And it, it sounds like it could be about her. Yeah, like, it's talking about she loved her too much, and she, now she's dead, pretty much. And it's about Caroline, so... <laughs> I don't know. All right. Well, interesting. Very interesting. Thank you for that tidbit, Morgan. Because guess what? I did not have that in my list of trivia. Oh, really? Mm-mm. Oh, well, I was like, I didn't really look John in- Butler. <laughs> well, I don't, to be completely honest, I mean, I, you know, I'm more of a metalhead, and I had no idea who he was. He's super hot. Oh. The dreads? Ooh, boy. Dread, I'm eternally turned off on dreads. Well, he cut off his dreads now. He's not okay. a dreadhead anymore. He was then. He's okay. got the dreads. Because you know I dated a guy with dreads, and it ended really bad. Well, you can't compare dreads to one guy. Well, no, but I am turned off on dreads eternally now. Oh, yeah, they kind of stink. Yeah, they are gross, too. I had a friend who did metal work and his hair always smelled like metal I'm mm-hmm. like dude that's not great wash your fucking dreads yeah yeah <laughs> probably like go off in a metal detector test it's <laughs> the amount of metal in his hair <laughs> gross i mean like what kind of metal are we like smells like blood because it smells like pennies kind of metal no or? no 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 not that kind of metal like i don't know have you ever met anybody who worked at like a uh what are they called <laughs> like uh putting metal to metal what is that oh my god a welder yes <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, yes, sorry, a welder. <laughs> That's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> he did welding, and so it was like just hot metal. Oh, like, I, I can't p- describe it, but if you've ever I've, met anyone. I've never met a welder, but all Okay, right. or a machinist, they all have that smell. It's... It's pungent. Look, I'm legit not trying to sound elitist, but my friends do not really do manual labor. (laughs) I've known like five welders. Like I have a lot of welding friends. So I guess if I need something welded together, I'm, I'm, yeah, I know a lot of welders. Not a thing about it. Well, wow. welders out there, who wants to uh, let me commission a like a freaky statue? Oh, like a no, a sniff test by you. And oh, well, a, and well a that statue. too. Yeah, I want to sniff <laughs> you to see what you smell like, and then I want you to make me a statue. I'll pay you. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, I'll hit up my friend. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not cash rich right now. <laughs> if Shmoo's went... listening, Shmoo, I'll, I'll get you to make a uh, a metal sculpture for Anna. <laughs> like not a big one, like I don't think like he a, like a desk one, like one a little one, not like a figurine. Oh, I'm thinking like a full yard sculpture. No, <laughs> no, no, no. I can't oh, afford to commission that. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. Okay. okay. <laughs> so, so when Rachel's parents are on um, um, Australia's Most Wanted. They're first shown sitting on the couch with four photos of Rachel on the wall behind them. Uh, the second photo from the left is a photo of the real Rachel Barber when she was a kid. Oh, nice. Yeah. I remember that scene. I was looking at all the pictures in the background, too. Mm-hmm. I did notice that when I was looking at them. I was like, that looks like the real girl. Yeah. <laughs> and it was. There's another part with the pictures where I think it was her real. I think uh, there is another one, too. I think they used multiple. The posters. Mm-hmm. I think they used multiple real photos. 
Yeah. Which is kind of weird because we do actually see an actress play her. Yeah. And right? they still, yeah, and you still use the. Yeah, that's a kind of a weird choice, but whatever. <laughs> All right. So Ruth Bradley, like Caroline, the great actress that we've been gushing about this whole time, um, she gained 49 pounds or 22 kilograms or 3.5 stone, depending on where you live wow. in the world. That's a uh, lot of stones. <laughs> yeah. She gained that much to play Caroline. Wow. Which is why you probably didn't recognize her because she's actually a much skinnier actress normally. Yeah. She's really thin. Oh, my gosh. That's yeah. a lot of weight. And do you know how she gained it? You know how like we learned from the machinist how Christian Bale got anorexic skinny. Yeah. Uh well, that was that was an apple and like a can of tuna a day, right? <laughs> well yeah, this like, don't. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. But this this is what she did. She drank a bunch of beer, chugged protein shakes, and ate a bunch of potato chips. <laughs> I'm going to be real if I, like, had to get fat for a role. First of all, I would never do that because it would be really bad for me because of my health. Um, But if I had to and I wasn't and I didn't have hypothyroidism. Yeah. (laughs) But if I had to, I would totally do it it probably by eating my weight in macarons. Ooh. It would also be an expensive habit. You'd definitely be diabetic afterwards. I would be. I would be. (laughs) But it would be... Not worth it. It would not be worth it. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm, I'm already fat enough. Diabetes. <laughs> if they needed me to gain more weight for a role, be like, I'm out. I'm already fat enough. <laughs> so, right? I yeah. I gotta be real. I would not gain weight for a role. That's a role I would turn down. No. I don't have well, that kind I of felt dedication. Bad when I gained weight, when I was in the role as a fucking scullery man, because they had to like sew me into the costume even more. <laughs> oh no! Like, I gained three pounds. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, like five, ten. This is this is why we're not Hollywood actresses. Yeah, no, thank you. I like my food. Yeah, me too. <laughs> well, I guess that's good for her because like it doesn't destroy her relationship with food really because she's not like eating more. She's eating more of something else that she probably wouldn't usually eat. Right. So it'd be easy to cut out. Yeah, she just changed her diet to like just things that she knew would make her gain weight and were not great. <laughs> yeah. Like the protein shakes are fine, but and beer's fine in moderation. Just all that just doing that more often than not is uh, a good way to gain weight pretty fast. I mean, yeah. we all know we all know uh, like half of the freshman 15 weight is beer weight, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, alcohol. <laughs> yeah, I- absolutely. The film was recovered cut by the international distributor Reliant Pictures International uh, without informing the filmmakers, which is not cool. And the film's producers uh, were outraged by this because it broke contractual obligations to the barbers. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's not cool. No. Um, so the working title for this film was originally titled or uh, called How to Change in Nine Weeks, which also happens to be the title of the book that Caroline when she's a teenager is reading or holding when she wakes up to the sound of her father's motorcycle outside. Oh, I didn't catch that. Well, I mean, you wouldn't have because you didn't know that the ti- the film's original title, like working title before they settled on a name, was that. Well, there was another title. There's like three. There's Well, yeah, okay. This one never was never officially the title. Oh, and then okay. It, but then, like, in when they internationally distributed especially in America it was also distributed as IMU yeah yeah and then and then the book is the perfect victim right yeah that's yeah 
the perfect victim yeah. by her mom and um investigative journalist. Yes, which for this episode, I bought Morgan that book. Yes, and I'm so sorry I didn't finish all of it. I read half of it though. Well, you read enough. You read enough, and you did other research. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a good book. It's really sad. Um, I bet, I bet, because it's like getting into their psyche during the missing stages and what they've done and like how they're perceived or like how the police are perceiving them and how they perceive the police and everything throughout this. It's pretty like you feel like the time clock is counting down. I don't know. So I I was going to say back to Australia's most wanted. um, They did actually feature Rachel Barber's disappearance on the show. But in reality, the episode aired two weeks after Rachel's body was already found. That's so fucked up. Yeah, so they just, like, clipped on an update at the end and were like, oh, by the way, blah, blah, I guess they did. I think they did it, like, right before she was found. Yeah, they filmed it, like, right before that, yeah. It was only, Uh, like, 13 days total. Yeah, she wasn't missing for too terribly long. It wasn't, like, months and months and months. Yeah. In the book, it makes you feel like it's just dragging. Oh, it's so bad. Yeah. I would have finished it all, but I just didn't have time. Oh, I know. You're a busy lady. It's a good book, though. I'm going to finish it. I know you are. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. So Caroline wanted to kill Rachel and assume a new identity. Uh, So she chose the name Jim Southhall as that was what her name was going to be. Uh, you know, when she disappeared after killing Rachel. And Southall is Elizabeth's mother's maiden name. So yeah. still obsessed with the family. Yeah, that I think that, that part's wild, too. Yeah. She was, like, so fucking obsessed and twisted. Yeah. Uh, right? The film screened at the Brisbane International Film Festival in 2012. And that is where uh, Ruth won the award for Best Actress for Pilly and Caroline. She, she should have taken on all the awards. All the awards. <laughs> Just we just we just love her. She's such a great actress. We're yeah. stands now. I am so upset. <laughs> I'm so upset. All right, I got one more. I guess I shouldn't say that. I'm not that obsessed. No, me neither. But we admire her work. She's a good actress. Yeah. In the opening, a... I said she's really great. Oh, all right. Sorry, I'm playing with rocks. If you can hear stuff in the background. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast. And up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Um, I bought some rocks. Okay. <laughs> From an uh, online witch. I have questions for later, but all right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, in the opening minutes um, of the film, as Rachel's disappearance becomes apparent uh, at her house on the television, 
there's an Australian Football League game between Collingwood and Melbourne from 2008 and 2009 featuring uh, the player Dale Thomas. But the film is set in 1999, so that's a continuity error. Or it's a, it's an anachronism. Oh, an anachronism. I like that word. All right, so that's all I got on that, Morgan. So we'll take a small break, and then Morgan's going to tell us about this tragic case that's not fun. It's not fun. Not at all. Yeah. We'll all see right. you when you get back. Yeah. Or when we get back. Yeah. Or we'll, you'll hear us when we return. After this commercial break. Hi, and welcome back. <laughs> uh, Morgan, would you like to tell us about Rachel Barber's murder? Yes. Do tell. Okay. So this this movie accurately depicted what happened. There aren't a couple of things that are different, but not so much. Even the police situation, that's all that all really happened between the uh, Box Hill station and the Richmond station. Mm-hmm. Um, that was like a whole issue for like the first five days when they could have been investigating. They were, they were throwing it back on each other. That really did happen. Um, but we'll go into it. So Rachel Elizabeth Barber was 15. She was the oldest of three kids to Elizabeth Barber and Michael Barber. Sorry, Elizabeth and Michael Barber. I was going to say Mike, but yeah, Michael. Yeah, they call him Mike. According to the book, they were saying that she had just solely went to the dancing school. She wasn't in high school. She wanted to drop out. This was around the time where she was like, I want to go to dancing school. I don't care about like graduating pretty much. Um, Which sucks because she was only 15. Yeah, she was like really into dance and that's look, what she wanted to do. Look, here's the thing. As a parent, I don't care how good of a dancer your daughter is. Her body is going to fail her at some point. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and she, your brain is the ultimate backup plan. Don't drop out of high school because a high school degree is worth next to nothing because college degrees are barely worth anything now yeah so for the love of god get an education and (laughs) getting off my soapbox let's continue (laughs) um so yeah at this point she um had wanted to work and her mom was like making her apply for jobs and stuff and she actually like would have panic attacks because she was so she was so shy um mm-hmm. that she just didn't want to go in to her job like i think she lasted one day at like three different jobs oh maybe. wow yeah because she was just so shy and was like i can't do this and her mom's like see you need to learn like you need to be in school and you need to you know um stop messing around with manny um she really really liked Manny. The mom really liked Manny. Uh, it was her first love and they did encourage it, but they wanted her to like also take care of her own self. Um, Hold on. Can I make a point that Mark pointed out uh, when we were watching the movie what? at the end? Well, at the scene at the, yeah, at the end at the funeral when Manny is like there with the family and everything. And he, Mark was like, imagine being at someone's funeral when you're really that insignificant ultimately in their life. Well, cause like, well, he Mark has just, stayed close to the family. Well, I know, but my Mark's point was like everybody there's known her her whole life, and you've known her for like a year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they went to the dance school together. Yeah, yeah. Like, they were so in love. No, I know, but you know what I mean? Like, everybody's so in love with their first major boyfriend or girlfriend. Yeah. And then when you're older, you're like, God, that was the stupidest relationship. She never got old enough 
to know if that was the way it would be or not. You know what I mean? I think that was kind of the point he was trying to make. Yeah, they, I I get it. I don't know. I get it. Because a lot of those people only knew her for about a year. Because she was only in that dance school for about a year. Well, yeah. Like, I, he was just making, like, you know, the parents are there grieving their daughter their oldest daughter and the boyfriend and, and he's sobbing just as hard and he's known her like a year yeah i guess that's the way he was pointing it out like young love is so dramatic i guess he didn't have a young love then <laughs> uh he? N- no he, he did <laughs> okay well I don't know how he doesn't see the point then. I, I, I would look, be distraught if look, one of my teenage boyfriends. I mean, I would have too. I'm not saying, no, he's not saying, he's not diminishing that his pain. It's just like later on, uh, it's going to seem, you know, like a blip in the yeah, life. Yeah, in his life. Yeah. Yeah. True. That's so sad. I know. God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Damn. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. Continue. <laughs> um. Yeah. So um, they had been been dating for about like 10 months or something and it got really serious um and so whenever um uh not elizabeth oh my god um when rachel didn't show up to meet her dad after leaving the dance factory um they thought oh yeah she's with manny like there's no way they're they're always together or they're always on the phone so but they were like this is kind of strange because she's never late she's never lied like this but her mom and her did have a little bit of a fight beforehand um mainly about her and the school like the dance factory and everything Mm -hmm. so the dad was like no she's probably with manny the mom immediately like freaked out was like we need to call the cops and he's like no call manny so he called manny and he was like no i saw her when she got on the tram to go meet her dad and then her dad said well she's an hour hour and a half late like she never got off the tram so the mom was like, well, go to the other stop where the tram stops or go to the other place where they're supposed to meet up um, and see if she's there. And then I'll call her friends and see if they've seen her. And at this point, Manny, like in the movie, didn't disclose that she had said she had that top secret job. Um but then he immediately like called back and was like, well, she said she was supposed to go to a job and was going to make a lot of money. And they're like, what the fuck? So the parents did go to the police, but they went to the police in Box Hill, which is the tram station where she was supposed to meet the dad. So they made the report there initially. And so then when they found out that she didn't get on the tram, they went to Richmond and talked to those police. But apparently these two little areas don't talk to each other um law enforcement wise like one person who takes the report in the police station is supposed to stay with the case the whole time mm-hmm. um so hold on so uh-huh. as a true crime fan this is one of the most infuriating things in any case is when police departments don't talk to each other don't share information and make cases harder to crack yeah because every time they needed to talk to them they would have to come to the station and they would have to go all the way across the city they're in melbourne um i don't know how far apart that is but uh it seems kind of lengthy of a drive Um, oh no a minor inconvenience is so hard (laughs) when someone's dead yes so the police in both areas were like you're just freaking out she probably got pregnant and ran away and they were like no um but they did find out just like yeah 
again, just like in the movie, how yeah. how rude, how disrespectful. This is like following the book exactly. Yeah, um, I know. This this whole movie follows the book. I don't know. It it only is really from the mom's point of view. Mm-hmm. It like in the movie, it's from each character's point of view. Mm-hmm. Like it goes from the the mom to Caroline to um Rachel uh, Rachel and then back to Caroline and then all of theirs combined. I don't and know. And also th- to Guy Pierce at some point. Oh yeah, it is in Guy Pierce's and um but it does go exactly like that. They were having sex. Um, well, yeah, and, I knew that was true. Yeah. And it was really sad because in the book he says, well, because it was like day five at this point when they finally talked to a missing persons detective. Mm-hmm. Um that he said, well, if she did get raped or murdered, then she had some kind of sexual tenderness from where love comes from. And I was like, that's so fucking sad to think about. Like, at least she didn't die without some kind of tenderness and love in her life. Like, she got that. She did get that. And they, that's like what kind of calmed them down thinking, okay, well, she's, they started thinking she's dead around like day five. Um, And the police still were not listening to this. Them. They actually got in touch with a family friend to contact uh, the missing persons unit. And that's that guy that comes in, I think, around the, the I guess, the two thirds of the movie or something. The one that was like, OK, I do believe you. Yeah, like, exactly. I'll, I'll start looking into this. So that guy actually did help out with the investigation, but it wasn't until like day five. Um that she had been missing because the police were going back and forth. No, you have to talk to this person. No, you have to talk to this person. And it's really frustrating because they had to tell their story over and over and over. Like she was supposed to meet him here. She's never late. She's very involved in family and, and her dancing. She wouldn't just disappear. She wouldn't run away. And everybody's like, they labeled her a runaway like immediately. And they even told the family that they would find her if she put up posters. Um, I think it was like $60 or something. They said that um, they were going to charge her if they saw any missing persons photos. Um, Cause they actually had like um, a photo person, like make different um, flyers. They had multiple flyers around Melbourne looking for her. And they even went downtown at like 3 AM, which is where all the um, sex workers and illegal brothels and stuff were. Mm-hmm. And they were like going to people like, doing drugs and stuff like ask them if they had seen this lady like really shady place and they said they were at this red light like stopped and all these people in crazy clothes came up to them and they were like oh shit we're about to get murdered and they were like are you okay and they started asking them if they were okay and they felt really bags they're like these people are just you know like the dirt the scum of the earth and then there's people saying like you're great parents like you shouldn't be out here but I wish I had parents like that and so they the police told them to stop like doing that and they would take care of it pretty much but the family's like no she Rachel is a good person she's naive and the family is all aware that she was naive and I mean that's what ultimately you know led to her demise yeah her I, innocence. I'm, not, I'm not victim blaming or anything but it no I mean, it's 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 not it was under the guise of money well right she was just 
trusted. So she was just really innocent. Mm -hmm. And that's not her fault. She had good parents who didn't expose her to crazy things. And I mean, there's it's a dual-edged sword having your kids know about all the scary things (laughs) and being prepared and then sparing them of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's not fair. Like, this case makes me so mad because she was, like, just coming of age, you know, like, making her own choices, starting to learn how the world works. She's still naive, still young. Um, but she like yeah, she's 15 this, she's a baby yeah she has this vision of the stage she wanted to be um, like the leading lady of plays like musicals she loved musicals she loved Chicago and Cats um, oh god yeah those were her two favorite I love Chicago Cats meh. yeah that's really that's cat. what I said oh god about yeah the, no one I should have to sit through Jellicle Cats too many times I know all the words to all the lyrics to all the Chicago songs <laughs> oh man you really love Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> um, so so they were like concerned. Manny was concerned. The whole family came together. A bunch of friends came together and started like asking around for her. Um, at this point, the police were investigating the brothels um, and seeing if she had come in. And then they wanted to investigate her friends and see who she was talking with. And her mom was like, well, I don't know who she was supposed to meet up with and Another girl on the bus, after seeing the posters up, she had called and said she saw uh, Rachel with an older woman, a plain looking woman on the tram, and she didn't know who she was. And they actually, she said where she got off with this woman. So the parents went there looking for her, put up more signs, um, didn't find anything. But then the police were wanting a list of all of her friends and numbers and names so they could interview them. Mm-hmm. But then the school was like we can't give you that information like that's so dumb but the police were also like here's your job now and yeah. instead of going to figure it out themselves and the school's like no the police have to do that but then the police wouldn't do it it's so it's frustrating so frustrating and and this is all from the account I'm only using one source and it's that book so um, I did read a couple of news stories on it um, and they all had the similar uh, storyline. So I'm, I'm mostly referencing the book right now. I don't know if anybody and has. tell the audience what that book's called and who wrote it? Uh, it's called The who. <laughs> The perfect shit. The perfect victim. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I was about to say the perfect murder. I was like, that's not it. Um, And it's actually by Elizabeth Southhill, which we referenced earlier, which is um, Rachel Barber's mom. And she chose the pen name as her uh, main name. Her main name is her pen name. And that's the same name that Caroline Reed tried to change hers to at first, Mm -hmm. um, which is weird. But um, yeah, it's written by her and an uh, investigative journalist. It's a, it's a really good book. Um, I have not finished it, so I can't tell you, but uh, it's good. Um, so they find out that Rachel had gotten off the tram with this older woman, and they're trying to dig in their minds, who the hell did Rachel go with? And they're still thinking, the family's still thinking it's brothel or someone convincing her because Manny said, yeah, she's going to make a lot of money, and it's just a one-night thing, and she's going to get clothes out of it. So everyone's pointing 
to, okay, she got snatched to be in prostitution or yeah, get kidnapped by someone who's going to take her overseas. And so the police actually at this point, I think this is day five or day six, they start um, going over the phone call log of the family phone in the house. And they found this number that didn't connect with any of the numbers the family knew. Um, And it actually was um, of Caroline Reed, um, also known as Caroline Reed Robertson now, who murdered her. Mm -hmm. So Caroline Caroline only confessed after she was arrested, um, but she never answered any questions from what I'm looking at. Um, she did explain somewhat afterwards of why she did it, um, but this she never admitted to like exactly what she did. But and she never expressed any remorse. No remorse at all. And she continued to like change herself to look more like Rachel. Mm-hmm. Which is creepy. Very creepy. So um, Rachel's toxicology report came back that she had an antihistamine in her system, which could be like Benadryl. Mm-hmm. So it would make her slower to react. Um, they said that's what was in the drink. Yeah. She probably crushed up a Benadryl to make her a little more relaxed, slower. Because, uh, I mean, different antihistamines are used as anxiety medication too so um so i don't know if it was like benadryl but it wasn't antihistamine so that was in the drink but in reality they in the courts they said she had ordered a pizza and laced it with powder so i don't know how effective that would be but i guess she put a lot on there to make her a little more incapacitated Um, like she like lifted it up and like put it in the sauce i have no idea they said they uh she sprinkled it on the pizza it doesn't say about lifting the cheese <laughs> but oh, here's my thought process because <laughs> if i go over to some person's house even if i'm super naive and they hand me a piece of pizza i'm gonna look at what i'm gonna put in my mouth and if i see some strange powder on the pizza i'm obviously not gonna eat the pizza yeah right yeah i it probably was hidden maybe but i would have also been like why doesn't this taste right yeah that's what i don't get either but i mean we never we don't know we, mm. we really don't know. Um, mm. She lies a lot, so who knows so she if it was like on the pizza. Made, yeah, she could have just, like, made that up. Yeah, so... They only, I call they, bunk on the pizza. Yeah, I think it's bunk on the pizza too. I think it may have been in her drink. I mean, it is possible, but it would have to be a lot, and it would probably taste funny. It would have um, to be a lot. It would taste terrible, and it'd be hard to hide. Yeah, I don't know. I should try it out on Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> don't do that, Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> Just crush up a lot of my uh, hydroxazine. <laughs> Uh, you know that, what, that's though? an antihistamine. <laughs> don't yes, don't feed it to anyone. Or I'll do but it next, myself. Next time you eat a pizza, let's test this theory out. Yeah, I just put a lot of my hydroxyzine on the pizza. Yeah, and see how well you can hide that, and if you can taste it. Yeah, or a little Benadryl, little Benny. I mean, if they're pink act- ears, so you definitely see that. Yeah. Uh, we'll get back to you on what we think about this. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. So back to the pizza, drugged pizza. Mm-hmm. So, um, they had found like a diary, and it was about entries. Uh, she had a lot of diaries. Uh, Caroline did. She had tons of diaries um 
they went through all of them whenever she was uh, brought in for questioning because they had a warrant. So they were looking through all of her writings and they were focused on her dad and how much she like hated her dad. And it's accurate in the movie when she's writing that letter when she's babysitting them. Um, it was actually in a notebook. And that computer was like way later than 1999, by the way. That was like a computer from the 2000s. Um, oh, yeah. Um, there are <laughs> there are anachronisms. <laughs> yeah, there's a few, quite a few. Um, so uh, she had like been writing all these letters, her family and um, making self portraits and like saying you're fat, ugly, pizza face, like you're just nothing. Um, and then it started focusing on Rachel and nothing but Rachel to the point where it was like obsessive and they pulled out entries to what happened or what they think happened. Um, one entry says, um, like it is talking about lacing the pizza with drowsy powder and it says on the way to dance school, say that she can't tell anyone that she He's meeting me as I'm not allowed to give the study results to anyone. Ethics. Highly confidential. Not even your boyfriend, parents. Drug Rachel. And in parentheses, it says toxic over mouth. And then put body into army bags and disfigure and dump somewhere way out. No car. Um, and then there was another one that says check farm, including bag. Tuesday, arrange bank loan, moving van. Night to disguise hair, thoroughly clean house, and steam clean carpet. So immediately after um, Rachel came to her house for the clothes and the study, she supposedly gave her the pizza. This made her a little bit drowsy. She started telling her to meditate and to deep breathe, and she told her to close her eyes like the movie shows. And then she came behind her with a telephone cord and strangled her with a telephone cord um and she kept the body in the apartment for two days um while she was making all these arrangements and stuff um we shut we i'm sorry Huh. We sh- we shudder at that, but we did a two part series on Jeffrey Dahmer, who kept all kinds of body parts in his apartment. I know for a long time. Like you know, his apartment smelled ten times worse than Caroline's. Oh uh, yeah, Caroline's probably didn't smell all that bad. Yeah. Um, she had like asked Rachel to pack a bunch of stuff in the bag, um, to come, which is really weird. Like all of these things were red flags. Um, but. Again, she's young and she's like, I'll give you $100 to do this psychology study and then I'll give you clothes afterwards. And um, so when Rachel came, she brought her um, ID and some like $13 because she was supposed to buy some clothes for dance class and um, some other things that she brought with her like clothes and stuff. Um, So around day two, um, while everyone, the parents are frantically searching for her, like this has been going on um, and no one has any clue that she has anything to do with it. So she ended up like renting a van and telling the people that uh, she was moving a statue to her father's farm. And she had Rachel wrapped in a army bag, like a big duffel bag. And then two pieces of carpet like around her. And she said she's transporting a statue. So no one asked or anything. And they like got it out for her because she wasn't able to move 
the body or anything. And that's when she dug a very shallow grave, like super shallow, like the movie shows. Mm-hmm, um, which is and, how you get caught. Yeah. And she buried it next to her pet cat. Fucking weird. Well, her cat was special to her, and so was Rachel. Oh, so fucking weird. I agree. I mean, I don't know. Ugh. Um, I mean, they do show that in the movie. They show they see they show like the little cat's grave, and then she's like just digging. Yeah, yeah, that's what happened. Um, so she goes to work like the day after, and everybody's like, "What's wrong with you? Something's like not right with you." They said she looked pale and she was sick, so someone drove her back home. Um, and so she kept calling in sick. And her dad actually came over to check on her uh, within these two days after killing Rachel. Um, And the body was still in there in like day one or day two. And she had to hide the body and insist that her dad not come inside because the body was right there. Um, So she applied for a bank loan. She like cut her hair. Uh, She applied for a legal name change um and she was going to take the um maiden name of rachel's mother but she ended up deciding on um, robertson yeah it's but she kept reed so it was caroline reed robertson um like that's not really changing your name enough yeah not at all (laughs) and she just wanted to like take on Rachel's persona, like her whole being, and then uh, run away from Victoria. Um, So at this point, when she's like, definitely losing her mind, trying to get all these things in order, but she's just not organized at all. um, The police come to knock on her door to ask her questions, and they find her unconscious on the floor. Um, so it says she has epilepsy, so she may have been like having know, an epileptic seizure. Yeah, she may have had an epileptic, like she may have had a seizure, and then okay. she's post ictal. That's right. like the period right after you have a seizure. You're like it's kind of like comatose a little bit. You can't yeah, you like to a coma. can't move, and you're yeah. just like out. Yeah, they're really hard to arouse, very drowsy, sleep a lot. Like given can... that her heart slowed down, uh, you know, like uh, her vitals in the hospital, I would have to assume that that's what happened, right? Yeah. Um and they also You can't said... fake that. No, you can't. You can't really fake that. Yeah. So she I think she's like post-ictal. Um okay. she also okay. may have taken like extra medications or something yeah Uh, yeah. so she wouldn't talk to anybody at first like she was but i mean that's also post-ictal you can't talk really so i don't know if she's faking that or not so finally she admits um and she called herself an alien um and said that uh (laughs) she had all these horrible things bottled up inside of her uh and she told the police where they would find the body And they ended up going to find the body um, and she was arrested. And about a year and a half after she was arrested, she was sentenced to 20 years in jail with a minimum term of 14 and a half years. Um, 
the she's out. family. Yeah, the, she's out. She's been out. Um, the family was like super upset about this. I mean, yeah. Yeah. she's clearly not well, like no. emotionally. She's no. she has a lot of mental illness and personality disorders. Um, I think personalities disorders are like worse. <laughs> um, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Because it's just their being. <laughs> There's no medicine that can fix that. Um, right. Yeah. So there's there were like protests by the family whenever she applied for parole she had applied for parole i think first in like 2013 and the family like adamantly fought it was like no no you cannot do this and they would come to the trial and everything so they dismissed it and said she couldn't but then in uh january 2015 uh, after serving 15 years of the 20-year sentence, she um, was granted uh, release. But since she still had the five years left, she was under constant surveillance for those five years. So what I think now is that she's not being surveyed at all. Because if you get released early, then you're on like parole, sort of like in the U.S., um, it's sort of similar. And then after that, you're free. So I'm not sure if she's being monitored or anything like that. Well, if she got out in 2015 and it's 2021, I would yeah, assume she, that she's that she's completely free now. Yeah. Yeah. She's yeah. not being um, surveyed or anything. Um, but the family said upon her release that they really wished... People would give her privacy um, and that they wish she had um, gone through like therapy in jail and hope that she continues to create a new life for herself and not harm others, which is really like strong of them to say. I would be like, nah, fuck that bitch. Like they were very kind and were asking media to leave her alone Um like let her live her life. She's served out her sentence. Now she can like prove the world that she's okay. Um, but they did. They were worried. Um, yeah. It's not saying that they weren't upset or you know scared. Right. But they're very worried. And they said that when they saw her come out of prison, her physical appearance had changed, and they said that she looked like someone else, like her daughter. Yeah, and, she started straightening her hair and she lost weight. Yes. And uh, the mom was quoted to say, there is a Rachel likeness there in the eyes. I know. I read that quote. Uh, yeah. And I mean, if you look at the pictures, uh, she had very curly hair. She was a little, little chunky. I wouldn't say she was like bad or anything. She's okay. No. Well, like even the actress was just a little more chunky. Yeah, she wasn't, like, obese. She called herself obese and stuff, but I don't think she... She was not obese. She was, like, plus size. Yeah. I, um. So now she has, Love like your bodies, ladies. Hair. That's the message here. Yeah, love your bodies. Um, But she, she does sort of, I don't know, like the pictures. Um. So, yeah, that was the murder of Rachel Barber by Caroline... 
Reed Robertson. Guys, if you happen to see her in public, leave her alone. Run the other way. Yeah. <laughs> Don't let her uh, stalk you. <laughs> and really, if you have a beautiful daughter, do not let her babysit. Yeah, she should not be allowed to babysit at all. Like, ever. She should not be around teenage girls. She shouldn't be around kids either. Mm -mm. Yeah, yeah. it's so fucked up because her. Okay, so Caroline's little sister was best friends with Rachel's little sister. So their families were all intertwined. Oh, my God. Speaking of that brings me back to one scene from the film that was absolutely heartbreaking. Uh, Rachel's little sister that was best friends with Caroline's little sister walks up to the dad Mm -hmm. and says, it's my fault. Our families wouldn't know each other if I wasn't best friends with her. And Guy Pierce looks down at her and is like, it's not your fault. They live across the street. You know, Uh, we would we're all friends with them. Like, you you can't think that. And it's heartbreaking that she was putting that on herself. Yeah, he was like, we've known them long before, which they did. They knew them a long time before the other girls were born. Or they were babies, I think. But Yeah, so they, like, that was an inevitable thing. Yeah. I mean, everyone blames themselves, especially when a loved one gets, like, murdered or or disappears or something. Like, I could have done this or I could have done that, you know. There's always, like, the what if. But it doesn't. Doesn't that just make every human really selfish? (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's all about me, really. They're murdered, but it's about me. It's my fault. <laughs> well, it's never the murders. It's always <laughs> like the people that get affected by it. Yeah. Yeah. Don't be so hard on yourselves, guys. Come on. It's not, it's not all fault. about you. It's, and it's not it's not your fault and it's not all about you. Always remember that scene um Oh my god, Goodwill Hunting. You know the scene where he's like, it's not your fault. Robin Williams is hugging Matt Damon. Yeah, I do. And he's got scene. the big, big fluffy sweater on. He's oh, got the coolest, the like, fluffiest sweater. sweater. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's like, it's not your fault. Like, when someone says, like, it's not your fault, or I hear that, I just think of Robin Williams in a sweater about to hug Matt Damon. Matt Damon. <laughs> that's beautiful, Morgan. Yeah. That's beautiful. <laughs> I have to watch that movie. Uh so what have you been up to? Uh positive things. Oh, positive Pos- things. Positive vibes only. <laughs> um, I'll go into that little bit about me having a bag of rocks I've been playing with throughout recording. Yeah, yeah it's really um, rocks. So there is a um a a witch on Etsy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and she has this big cauldron. Uh, she has the best fucking like marketing scheme ever. Okay, uh, hold on. To clarify for the audience, you're talking about a Wiccan and not a mythical witch. Not a mythical witch. I call her the Etsy witch. I mean, that may be <laughs> derogatory. I don't know. Um, but she is really cool and she has really neat things that you can buy. Um, I'm trying to pull up her, her, uh, Etsy. Cause I guess I didn't like it. 
Um, yeah. So I bought, it's called Witch Confetti Scoop. So she had a giant okay. cauldron and she had a video of her like, this is one scoop and it, it has all these cool little things. There's rings, there's like gemstones. Uh, I have a tiny spoon. Like Andrew was really worried about me and was like, what the fuck are you doing drugs? Um, from an Etsy <laughs> witch. <laughs> You're doing a little eye of newt. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's like a little spoon with like a gemstone glued at the end of it. And it, it's like so cool. Um, so I bought a large scoop. Um, like she literally had one of those big cauldrons and a, uh, like a ladle. She's Love putting it. Them in. I Love know. It. And I was like, I want one. My friend convinced me to get one. And, um, so you got a scoop of the witch's brew or whatever. I did. I got okay. a scoop. Of what all is in your scoop? Brew. Oh, it's so much stuff. It's called full moon tarot shop on etsy um you can buy a lot of different stuff um not a sponsor not a sponsor but i would take it i guess i mean if she listens um yeah we'll take it we'll take a discount she's fucking (laughs) brilliant she's she's super brilliant i got like a tiny key like i got little tiny keys like some are brass and some are like silver and then i got like tiger's eye um jasper i got a few pieces of jade i have i think amethyst uh dalmatian quartz um Mm. a whole bunch of stuff sea glass i'm putting the sea glass like little pieces of sea glass in um my cuttings i like make my little cuttings for my plants put them in a cup of water and there's and there's these tiny little evil eyes um, and a bunch of rings and um, a necklace, like, n- without the chain. It's the, the pendants, a lot of mm-hmm. different pendants. Got, like, cool. sun and moon and, like, a pr- It's so neat! Little tiny <laughs> jars of, like, stones and little Some trinkets. Tiny- yeah, and there's, like, roses, like, dried petals and little pouches and uh-huh. then uh calendulum i think it's calendulum it smells like it but um yeah it's fun okay i like cool. dumping it out and just looking at everything and because i want to make more tiny doors and i think these the rocks would go perfect on it because they're all i small. knew that this had something to do with your fairy doors yes it does have <laughs> something to do with my fairy doors <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, more crafting. Of course. Etsy witch. (laughs) Love it, love it. Yeah, so what have you been doing positive? Mm. Well, right before we started recording, Mark and I watched this movie called Bloodthirsty. Is it a werewolf? Yes. Nice. Knew it, called it. I don't know. Oh, shit. Spoiler alert for that movie. I may have seen it because I love werewolves. Do you? I actually, <laughs> I actually thought it was a vampire movie at first. See, if if I was on team vampire, team werewolf, I'd go with werewolf. I actually agree with you. Um, however, uh, this just seemed like a vampire movie to me at first. 
Because you just saw, her, like, the cover is her face with just, like, sharp teeth and blood running down her face. Oh, yeah, that's vampire-esque. No and then, story. yeah, and then it's just called Bloodthirsty. That does like, sound like a vampire movie. Yeah. But it's not. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was good. It has a lot of original music because it's about, like, a recording artist, like an indie like singer-songwriter who's like recording her second album and she's with this mysterious producer and uh yeah things go south <laughs> things like, go south quickly but all fast. the yeah well yeah pretty quick pretty quick but uh all the original music and it, it's like pretty good like i looked up the chick who wrote it and uh, who, like, actually sung it and wrote it. And, um, yeah, I think I might be a fan now. Nice. Yeah. yeah. It's called Blood... Bloodthirsty. 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 Yeah. It's on... Um, Bloodthirsty. Shutter. Yeah. <laughs> Bloodthirsty. No, no, no. It's on Shudder. <laughs> <laughs> it's on Shudder. Nice. Yeah. Uh, oh... Uh, I rewatched Serial Mom. Mm, how's that? Uh, great. Have you not seen Serial Mom? Oh, uh, no. Oh, my God, Morgan. It's John Waters. No. You don't know who John Waters is? John Waters is that guy who did The Window? No, he's what? the guy with the pencil-thin mustache, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. He did, okay. he did Hairspray and Crybaby. Crybaby, that's it. Okay. And Pink Flamingos. Yes. I've never seen Pink Flamingos. Oh. But Crybaby, yes. Hairspray. Oh. I've only seen Hairspray and Crybaby, like, once a long time ago. But Pink Flamingos is an experience I'll never forget. I saw it with my uh, friend Alex at Alex's house and um, my friend Kegel and my friend Samantha. It was the four of us, and we watched Pink Flamingos in Alex's living room. And uh, Divine, who is in most of John Waters' films, uh, eats shit on camera. Oh, yeah. Oh, like yeah. real, real poop. Yep. Yep. Oh. I think it's, I think it's dog poop. Oh God, why? I, I don't know. Um, well, as uh, John Waters has always called himself, he is the king of bad taste, or something like that. Mm. I love him. I think he's so funny. Um, I have one of his books, but yeah, I don't love the really early gross out stuff like this yeah like yeah uh seeing pink flamingos once is enough i need to see it now because it looks pretty great <laughs> oh there's it's a cult classic like you've got grotesque see... bizarre and explicitly crude situations <laughs> that pretty much sums it up <laughs> Oh, wow. There's uh, centers on expedi- 
exhibitionism, voyeurism, sodomy, masturbation, gluttony, vomiting, rape, incest, murder, cannibalism, castration, foot fetishism, and concludes to the accompaniment of how much is that doggy in the window? Yeah. How much in the doggy? How much is the doggy in the window while Divine is eating dog shit? Yeah. Oh, that's called a. I did not know that as a word. Water <laughs> says it's a real thing. Coprophagia. You didn't know that coprophagia was a thing? I, I knew of it, but I didn't know it had a name. Yeah, because, like, um,. One of my friends, well, I mean, I've known about it for a while, I guess. I don't really know. That I just know it I as don't... scat. Scat lover. A scat lover? <laughs> uh, well, no, coprophagia is a medical condition where you eat shit. What? <laughs> it's the condition of someone who eats shit. So, like, for example, it's it's most commonly used in veterinary terms with dogs. I, yeah, my dog uh, has coprophagia. <laughs> yeah, hardcore. And I mean, I've had dementia patients with coprophagia, but I didn't know it had a word. <laughs> it does. And thank you for painting that portrait for me. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> they like to paint. Oh, my God, Morgan. I don't need to know anymore. Never shake an old person's hand. Morgan, keep <laughs> that shit to yourself, man. Literally. <laughs> Literally. Uh, just saying. Mm. Don't shake their hand. I don't know. I don't think she'd tell you if she was eating shit. Probably not. Oh God! <laughs> you know what? My grandma is not eating shit. Nobody, <laughs> nobody thinks that my grandma is eating shit. Neither of my grandmothers are eating shit. I promise. Okay. Oh my goodness! This got out of hand. Wow. <laughs> you mean this scat out of hand? <laughs> Leave. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> oh on that note guys i think we're gonna go um (laughs) we're really excited about our next episode because it's demented and i'm pleased to tell you that we are dipping our toe back into cannibalism Mm -hmm. and it's our first case from italy and it's another and it's another female killer. <gasps> nice. By the way, Morgan, the film that we need to watch, it's on YouTube. Okay. I, I will. I see that. <laughs> <laughs> I will message you the name of things in okay. the comments. Yeah, because okay. I don't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> As usual, I have my life together. <laughs> we have. We have all cylinders firing. (laughs) Bobo. All right, gang. We will see you next time. Join us. Same time, same place. Okay, bye. Bye.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 